yeah, so you're, you're invited at noon. We're going to pray and then get into our message this morning. Lord, thank you so much for this sunny day. Uh, thank you for thank you for just the the, the season that's the summer where um, we get to enjoy your creation more. We get to enjoy company more. We get to enjoy uh, flipping on the barbecue, <laughs> flipping on the grill, cooking outside, all those things. Uh, summer really is a time um, of celebration and, and thankfulness. So I, uh, I thank you for, for everyone here. Lord, we pray that as we uh, look at your word that you would open our hearts to receive it. Um, whatever condition we bring today, whatever uh, weight we bring in, whatever burden we bring in. I pray that, God, that, that your, I believe that your word frees us. It doesn't bog us down. So we pray for that today. We pray to see uh, with, with new eyes, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were with us uh, last week, we started a series in the book of Proverbs. And um, the series is called Who We Want to Be. The idea is that there are qualities, character qualities in the book of Proverbs that, that shape who we are, that God teaches us through his word and teaches us in his wisdom uh, who we are to be. And so my assumption is that we all want to, to be more like the people God wants us to be. And so uh, we're walking through the wisdom of Proverbs. It's a wisdom book. It's an Old Testament book. It's, it's actually a collection of, of wisdom um, from King Solomon and others. And it, last week we talked about the two paths that we can take. As you see here on this graphic, there's really two paths, this why in the road that we can take. And Proverbs consistently gives us two paths, two paths we can take. And, and the, the path we looked at last week was the path of wisdom and foolishness, the path of, uh, that, that goes towards God, the path that goes towards the world. And this week, we're looking at the path of righteousness and wickedness, mainly righteousness. And righteousness seems like a heavy word. I think it was popular in like the 80s and 90s in surf culture, maybe. Um, but righteousness isn't really a word that we use much outside of church. Uh, outside of the Bible, it really is one of those words that needs to be defined because when we read about righteousness, it doesn't just click for us. And so, um, basically, it, and 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 why we need to look at it, look at it, is it appears over 725 times in in the Bible. Talks about righteousness 500 times in the Old Testament, 225 times in the New Testament. So it's it's pretty important we figure out okay what what actually does it mean to be righteous when God when God says when when God talks about righteousness what does that mean? And so the word righteous really at, at the core is a legal term. It means innocence, to be innocent, to be just or to be right. And we get this because we see courtroom scenes all the time. It's like always on the news, some kind of courtroom scene. Lately, there was a courtroom scene um, on, on um, social media, on TV, uh, over, over uh, Scott Peterson, who Scott Peterson was a support officer in Parkland, Florida, at the, at the tragic school shooting that happened there five years ago. And um, he was accused of uh, criminal negligence, not responding appropriately to the scene that killed 17 kids, which is, is, um, was a complete tragedy. 
And now I can't speak to my own feelings. I, I don't have a personal opinion on whether he was guilty or not. I wasn't that into the case. But what I do know is that for four and a half years, uh, Scott Peterson was accused of, uh, of, being, um, of being negligent in a terrible national tragedy. And he was looking at 96 years in prison. And his future was, was, was held right here. And then recently on June 28th, the jury acquitted him on all 11 counts that were against him. And what, what was striking to me was as, as the word innocent was read, he just burst into tears. Like when, when he was called innocent, he just openly wept in the courtroom. And you can imagine like the, the, the burden uh, that was, was lifted there, as complicated as that situation was. And all that to say is being declared innocent really matters. Whether you are innocent before God or guilty before God, that really matters. It's your future. And so righteousness here, it refers to our, our legal standing before God. Are we innocent before God? Are we living rightly? Are we, are we doing the things that God wants us to do? But righteousness isn't just a legal term, it's a relational term. It's not just legal, it's relational. C.R. Willard explains that righteousness is fulfillment of the expectations in any relationship, whether with God or with other people. It is applicable to at all levels of society and is relevant in every area of life. So based on this definition, to be righteous before God means that we're in a right relationship with God, that we're meeting his expectations, the expectations that God has outlined for us, just like in other core relationships in our lives. In our marriages, there are boundaries. You don't cheat on your spouse. You don't abandon your spouse. That breaks relationship. At work, there are expectations that you work on time, that you do what your boss says, that you stay off your phone some places. Some places not, right? Um, but that you're productive and you contribute every day. And if you, if you break the, the, the expectations, you might get let go. So the question that we need to answer as we look at righteousness is what are God's expectations of us? Wouldn't that be important to know? Like, what does God expect of us? And so Proverbs, as Proverbs addresses righteousness, it's coming from an Old Testament perspective. This is before Jesus. It's talking about how we live a life in step with God. How can we live in harmony with God? And the Old Testament introduced this big thing called the law. The law. As God formed his people, the Israelites, as he called them out of Egypt, he gave them the law. It's also called the Torah. He gave the law through Moses. And through the law, God gave his people a certain set of expectations to live according to. And he was saying when he gave them the law that this is what it looks like to walk in right relationship with God. This is what it looks like to walk in unity with God, in harmony with God. And that these rules, or th these rules actually uphold our relationship. That if you follow these rules, we will live in harmony together. And so the law in the Old Testament shows God's heart for how he wants his people to live. And as Proverbs shows us, that living by God's law actually 
It does, it's not just living in harmony with God. It leads to a fruitful life. The law God gave was not meant to be a burden, but to ultimately be a pathway for our good. It's for our good. Like, there are guardrails on the, on the freeway for a reason, right? I guess not, they're not in all places, but around the curvy parts, you know? Um, there are guardrails so that we don't go outside the lines. There are lines on the freeway for a reason. There are reasons why you have to stay in the lines. There's reasons, I guess, why you can't drive on the shoulder. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but God's reason for the law was for our good and for, for his glory, that we would be the people that God intended us to be. So as we consider this, as we consider this word righteousness, we're going to turn to Proverbs 4.10. We're going to go ahead and read Proverbs 4.10 through 19 if you have your Bibles. And if not, it will be, sorry, be on the screen here. And it says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know what makes them stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Way to go, guys. Nice. Uh, this, so this passage, it begins with this plea. Listen, my son, accept what I say. The image is of a father or a grandfather sitting with, with uh, a young son and, and sharing this is the way of life. This is the way that you should live to keep yourself from harm and really self-destruction, to avoid a path that leads towards self-destruction. And when I think about this, I think about different mentors I, I had in my life. I, some of us have, have had um, opportunity to be, for our lives to be spoken into by great mentors of faith. And there, there have been three really key mentors in my life that, that kind of sat me down and talked about my life. The first one being, being my own father, um, who's, who's a good dad, who loved the Lord. And, and, and then, um, th then after I left for college, when I... When I um, after kind of jumping into the the real world, I had a, a mentor named Jody who kind of led me into ministry. And then when I got into leadership, God brought another mentor named Scott. And they all were sort of father figures in my life. They all sort of sat me down at different points and and talked about uh, talked about my life, where I was at, and and told me like we talked about last week. Told me the things that I didn't know. I didn't know. And, I, and, and if you have a mentor like that in your life, hang on to them because they are precious and, and few. And uh, if you don't have a mentor like that in your life, I hope that you find one here. And I also want you to know that God does not withhold, God does not withhold his fathering presence from you. And even in, in, in engaging 
in the Proverbs, God is holding his wisdom out to you personally and, and wants to father you and show you how to live. And when we seek God, we find a father who listens and loves and shapes us because he loves us. God is not, we don't call him God our judge. Primarily, we call him God our father. Because at the core, God is a good father who wants to lead us with his fathering presence. So you can imagine reading through these words that God is sitting across the table from you and wants to speak to you directly about life. That he, as it says, uh, he wants you to accept what he says because so that the years of your life will be many and that he will instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. You should know that God desires good things for you. I'm not saying he wants to make you a millionaire. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not, <laughs> nothing like that. But you should know that God desires good things for his people. And that was his intention in giving you the scripture, giving you uh, the law, and then giving you Jesus. God gives good things. And he says, if, you know, if you follow me, that will lead to a long life. And I think what that means is that following Jesus keeps us away from a path of self-destruction. Of course, as we fast forward to the New Testament, we see that, that, that Jesus' closest disciples are laying their lives down uh, to follow him. So it's not saying that this is, a, this is like a guarantee rule and that we should pursue it, but what it is saying is that if we keep God's law, it keeps us from a path of self-destruction. And in our own human nature, we are... Our sinful nature, we're, we're, we're kind of bent on self-destruction, and God frees us from that. And of course, this isn't a rule. There are, there are Christians that, that die early from all sorts of things, but it's, it's focused on keeping us from self-destruction. Because the truth is, our lives need order. Our lives need order. We, we are created to need order. And I love what Rick McKinley talks about. He talks about, he talks about humanity's pursuit of total freedom, thinking that if we could do whatever we want, whenever we want, then we would be free. And he talks about what, what a lie that is, that if we had no rules and no order, um, we'd actually destroy ourselves. And he gives examples. He gives the example of a 16-year-old of a kid who wanted to be free from the rule of his parents. So he, uh, he ran away from home and ends up on the street and then ends up um, using a crack pipe, right? That's not freedom. Or he talks about a, a man who wants to be free from the confines of his marriage, so he has an affair, which ends up destroying his family and actually separating him from his kids. That's not freedom. And then he gives this, this really kind of silly example of gravity. It's like, well, would you want to be free from the law of gravity? No, you wouldn't want to. You would float up to the, the highest part of the atmosphere, suffocate, and then burn up. Like, we don't want total freedom, okay? We don't. We don't want total freedom. The truth is we need some kind of order, and free, real freedom, godly freedom, involves order. And so here's my first point. The path of righteousness leads to freedom and away from destruction. It leads to freedom and away from destruction. The plea of Proverbs is that true freedom would involve respecting God for who he is. 
that, that God is God, that, 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 that God is, and that Jesus is king, right, and respecting him as our king and, and our Lord. And God wants to in, instruct us in the way of, of righteousness. The beauty is instruction takes time. By God's grace, we have time to grow in, in the things that God wants to teach us. But we do know when we do, when we do uh, follow Jesus that we're on a straight path. We're on a clear path, as it talks about. And this is the path of righteousness. He says, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well. And then this is really key, for it is your life. It is your life. Your life is, is found and protected and shaped in, in the truth of God. And so wisdom and righteousness keeps us moving in the right direction without the hindrances that come from, from, the, from the world, uh, from, from the following the, the different path, the wicked path. And so this father pleads with his son, hold on to it, don't let it go. We're always vulnerable to letting go. We're always vulnerable to quitting on God. Like our, our hearts are pretty fickle. We'll feel real passionate one day, and then that will wane, or something will happen and challenge us and maybe start us on a different path. You could describe these as roadblocks to our faith. We all encounter some kind of roadblock to our faith. For some of us, it may be some kind of trauma that we experienced that becomes this roadblock, like, God, why would you let this happen? Uh, roadblock, one roadblock could just be our culture, like a, a, a cultural narrative that's not mes meshing with, with a Christian narrative, and so there's tension there, and we reach a crisis of faith. And another roadblock could be hypocrisy that we see in other Christians. There's being in, maybe you grew up in the church, and you got hurt in the church. There's all sorts of different roadblocks uh, that we run into uh, in our faith. And some have given this experience a label today. Some are talking about this idea of deconstruction. Like when we run into these roadblocks, we need to start deconstructing what we believe. Basically, tearing the house down to the studs and then trying to rebuild. And it doesn't mean that, it, it when people use the phrase deconstruction, it doesn't mean a rejection of faith, but it means stripping it down and trying to rebuild a more honest faith. But for some, it means rejecting faith entirely and just finding a new path and, and building up the house that they see fit. And so, I don't know, I, I'm sure that we've all come into these roadblocks and, and, and had questions, um, but I wonder how you think about this idea of deconstruction. Or if you have a friend who's like, hey, I'm deconstructing my faith, what would you tell this friend? And what I would say is that any honest Christian has moments of deconstruction. Any honest Christian has moments uh, where, they, where they see, where they experience tension between their faith and the, their lives. And they have to wrestle through it. And, and I grew up in the church. I even went to a Christian high school. And, and I, I, one of the things I've I struggled with was seeing hypocrisy in some of the some of the leaders that I encountered, and so and and then wrestling through my own Ill inability talk about being righteous and innocent my own inability to keep the law, 
to keep the standards uh, that, that God had for me. And, and there was a point in my life where that felt crushing, where I couldn't move forward. And it's what led me to walk away from God for a season, just give up. Like, yeah, there's no way I can do this. I give up. But going through those experiences led to moments where I experienced God's presence and his truth in, in very powerful ways. Seeing God at work through the tension, seeing, Jesus, this is who you are really. You really do give grace for my failure. Jesus, you, you really do see where I'm at. You really, it's true that when you say you are with me, you really are with me. But I had to go through those things and back to Jesus. I didn't look inside and ask myself, oh, what, what do I think is true? I went to God and I said, God, who are you? Jesus, who are you? Show me who you are. And so that is my encouragement that if you find yourself in a crisis of faith, that you wouldn't just look inside, but that you would ask God who he is and that you would press in to Christ more and more. Because I, I have been the doubter before, but I can tell you I'm not anymore. And I believe in Jesus more and more each day. And there will be roadblocks and seasons that will cause you pause and can cause you panic, but press in to Christ. And ask him, who are you? Show me your truth. And the result, I, I believe, will be the fruit of the Spirit, the peace that comes from God that you'd experience deeper peace, joy, and a growing desire, uh, growing desire for God's presence. So, but there are also those who find themselves in those moments and, and maybe look for other mentors. And we're going to go to the, the warning on, on wickedness and the path of wickedness. This is the wisdom of the Father, says to the Son. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the ways of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. See, the path of wickedness has mentors too. And discipleship isn't just one way. You're being discipled no matter if you're following Jesus or following somebody else. So this speaks to this other form of, of discipleship, being discipled by the world. Being discipled by, in the words, uh, like wicked, uh, wicked people. So this would, allow, this would beg the question, who are we allowing to shape what we value? Who are we allowing to shape our thoughts and our lives? Because we truly are social creatures. We truly do pick up on the things that those closest to us believe. And so Proverbs here speaks of a strong warning. Looking at the fruit of somebody else's life, is somebody restless until they, until they do evil? Um, is somebody... Um, is somebody... Uh, yeah, is, is somebody drinking the wine of violence, eating the bread of wickedness? So if righteousness is meeting God's expectation, wickedness, which is another word we don't really use that much outside the church, we talk about evil, but wickedness here is rejecting God's expectations. 
being restless in rejecting God's expectations. And Proverbs is saying that the human heart, apart from God, is restless to disobey, to reject God. This is the core of, of sin when we talk about sin. It's restless to claim independence from God. And so that could be reflected in a, in a heart that, hey, it's, it's Friday and I'm going to go party hard, right? Let's live it up. It could be the heart that, that has to find sexual gratification outside of God's plan for marriage. It's the heart that has to get in a fight, has to experience these things, as Proverbs talks about here. And Proverbs is saying, don't follow that crew. I, I remember being 18, 19, 20, and like there was some appeal to the, the, the action that was going on in, the, in that crew. But, um, but maybe you're in a season where your, your friendships are, are wanting to push the limits, right? Just push the limits or to go big, whether it's partying or whatever. God is saying, no, the li life is found in me. Life is found in me. This is, this is real life. This is, this is a life that's going to be fruitful and blessed. It's found in me. And the passage reaches its conclusion here. It says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So here... Solomon shows us the, the, the two paths and where they lead, the path of the righteous getting brighter and brighter and the path of darkness just stumbling around, confused why they're suffering. And we all have a choice of which path we can walk. I love the imagery of the, of the rising sun, that when we uh, make a commitment to God, when we follow Christ, that, that light just starts to peek out of our lives. We just start to see God in a new way. Just like in the, in the early dawn, there's this freshness to the dawn. There's a freshness to the beginning of the day. It's beautiful. And then as, as the day goes on, as we follow, uh, follow Christ more and more, that light gets brighter and brighter, and it shines through our lives. We can see in the daytime. On the flip side, if we stay in darkness, we stay confused. We wonder why bad things are happening to us. But if we stay in the day, God will reveal himself more and more brightly in our lives, and then we'll shine brighter for him. Eugene Peterson called this walk with God a long obedience in the same direction. If we just keep saying yes to God every day, we grow and we grow and we grow. And he shines brighter and brighter and brighter. I think the best compliment you could possibly receive is, man, that guy walks close with God, or that gal walks close with God. You can just tell. For me, one of the, one of the people that I see this in is, um, is Jason Hubbard. Uh, he used to be the director of the, the world, uh, the, sorry, Light of the World Prayer Center. Yeah, let me get that, let me get that right. But um, the guy prays all the time. I remember calling him one time, and on his voicemail message, he was like, uh, sorry, I'm away on a four-month prayer retreat. I was like, that sounds nice. <laughs> four-month prayer retreat. But you just talk to this guy, and it's like he, he can't help but just, like, bubble out the joy of the Lord. Like, you can hear it in his voice. Like, ah, ah, ah. You know, it's just like, it's just right there. 
And I love that. And for me, that kind of excitement, that kind of like light shining out, it's always been something that, that I've wanted, that I've wanted. Yes, God, just like, like help me love you so much that it just bubbles out right that the, that your love would just flow right out of uh, right right out of me like overflow the light that that you give could it just like reflect out like jason but my prayer is that we all get there that this light of god is supposed to fill our life and then just reflect out to the world that 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 you would be so in love with god that you you wouldn't even have to say much uh, to others they would just know that you walk closely with god like, there's power in that. And that comes with a long obedience in the same direction. That comes when we, we come before the Lord and we say yes. Or we lay down the, the, the sins or the burdens that, that have been hanging on to us. And so, in contrast, the, the, the way of wickedness or, or staying in the darkness, it leads, leaves us confused. Life isn't as happy as we thought it would be. You know, life isn't as complete as we thought it would be. There's an emptiness there. Uh, they're just kind of fumbling around in the dark, trying to figure it out. And the good news is, is that if, you've, if you find yourself in that place, or if, you, if, you, if life feels dark right now, I want to share this with you. I want to share, this is like the final point, but there, this is it. <laughs> There is a path to righteousness, and it has a name, and it's Jesus. There's a path to righteousness, and his name is Jesus. Like, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. The gospel is not, well, you've been on a dark road, so clean yourself up and get on the right road. The gospel is that, hey, Jesus is your righteousness. Jesus is your righteousness. That's why Jesus was called the light of the world. The light of the world. John 1, he shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not understand him. Jesus is the light of the world. Because the truth is, we could never fulfill the law. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. That's the frustrating part about the Old Testament. Israel kept trying, kept failing. Kept trying, kept failing. We don't have to run that hamster wheel. You know why? Because we have Jesus. We don't have to run a hamster wheel because Christ came to set us free. Christ came to be our freedom, to be our righteousness, so that we could learn to walk in the light, as it talks about in 1 John. So I want to uh, go to what Paul says in Romans 3. This is the word on righteousness. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is so important. This is so important. Because it said the law can't get you there. Proverbs is incomplete without this message right here. The, the, God wants to tell you, don't just try harder, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Why? Because he gives righteousness. That means he forgives. He forgives, and he restores, and he transforms. It also says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you feel like you're in a dark place, everybody has fallen short. 
Everybody has, has uh, rejected God's expectations or failed God's expectations. And it's only through this act of grace, which is literally a gift, a gift that we can be made righteous. The only thing that's on your part is where it says through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the line. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. He gives it. If you believe in him, what does it mean to have faith? To believe, to trust, to trust. Like if I sit on this chair right here, I'm not, uh, I'm not falling through it, right? To put your weight on it. That is faith, to put your weight on Jesus so that when you make a mistake, you're not beating yourself up, but you're giving it to Jesus. Your grace has covered me. I, and that is freedom. See, as Christians, we don't, we don't attain the righteous path we're given the righteous path, and all we got to do is trust Jesus and follow him step by step by step as he transforms us. So we start righteous because, you know what, Jesus, we're declared righteous because of Jesus. So it's a place of radical forgiveness. So while I grew up in the church, I didn't grow up with a lot of hymns because um, my parents were cool and went to Calvary Chapel and wore, like, Hawaiian shirts. Um, but uh, so later, when I was 20, I ran into this hymn that I was like, man, that's a really powerful line. And it's the hymn, To God Be the Glory. And there's a line in there that always, like, made me choke up a little bit. But it's the line that says, The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. And it made me choke up because if Jesus can release the vilest offender through his blood, then he can release me. Then he can give me freedom. And sometimes we forget about that today. For whatever reason, we forget about the forgiveness of, of Jesus. We keep living these lives like we've got we've to be all things to all people. We've got to be, we've got to do everything right, and if we mess up, we're done. That's not how the gospel works. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel is rooted in the forgiveness that only Jesus can provide because all of us fall short of his glory. All of us fall short. Because if God can forgive the vilest offender, he can forgive you too. And he can allow you to start at a point where you're declared righteous. You might not deserve it. You don't deserve it. But that's where you get a start. And that's where you get to grow. So as we close today, I just want to ask, do you, have you felt this freedom before? Have you felt the freedom of, of forgiveness? Have you felt the freedom of being declared righteous? And are you ready to start trusting Jesus more? To walk the path that, that he set out for you? Um, to learn from him? To model your life after him? To allow him to be your mentor? That's what's ahead of you. Jesus saves you. And Jesus calls you to follow him today. And that ultimately is this path of righteousness. To model our lives after Jesus. And so let's just uh, 
you know, I don't know where you're at this morning or, or what, what business you need to do with God, but I just want us to close our eyes. And if, if you are at a point where you're ready to receive, you're ready to trust, or maybe you've wandered for a while and you're ready to come back, I would just encourage you to pray these words. Jesus, I turn away from my sin and towards you. I receive the righteousness that only you give. Help me to walk in your light. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray. We're going to close in worship. If, if you want prayer, I'll, um, Bonnie and I are, are hanging, up, uh, hanging out at the front. We'd love to pray for you. Um, but thank you for being here, church. Uh, God, I just thank you for this, uh, this family. I thank you that, that your grace and righteousness was made known to us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We're just, we're just normal people, God. We're just uh, broken people. We're just figuring it out. And yet, God, you've done everything to reveal yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in, in, in the knowledge of you. Help us to learn how to follow you. Help us to walk in the way you want us to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's stand. We're going to uh, close together in worship. And also, um, don't forget, if you want to come to the new building today, we're going to be there at noon to pray. So.